Hello, everyone, and welcome to another SDGC review discussion. I'm Derek, and I'm joined by my good buddy, John. John, what's up, man? Hi, Derek. How's it going? You know, um, it's going really good, man. Yeah, there's Uh, been some good news today. Not not related to this. We're not going to bring it in, but it's been an interesting and explosive end to the year. Um, Not bad. Yeah. We've got our holiday party tomorrow, not to date the podcast too much. But good times. John, we are here to review a game. What game are we reviewing? Madden 90. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, no, we're here to review Chained Echoes, Derek. Chained Echoes. Chained, uh, Chained Echoes, Echoes, a one man project from Matthias Linda. Uh, it is an, unbelievable. An, a love letter to classic, like Super Nintendo era JRPGs, uh, published by Deck 13. Uh, we were given one review code on PC, uh, I believe day of launch or day before launch, uh, in order to get this review taken care of. Uh, so thank you to Deck13 for the review code. This has taken us a little longer than I'd like to get this review taken care of, but like I said, we got the game basically at launch, and it's kind of a meaty game, so we needed to make sure we were a decent bit into this in order to be able to give it a proper review. Well, and uh, also, I think like it's important, I think, here to specify, one, um, normally I would have had this finished by now, Derek, you know how I just chew my you way through, churn JRPGs. through JRPGs, right? Um, but we have a new puppy at home and half of my time has been literally just keeping an eye on this little rapscallion. Yeah. Now chained echoes released a couple weeks ago on like every platform basically, right? Yeah, uh, I hang on yeah, switch I, PS4, Xbox one windows. Okay, yeah, I guess it's on everything. So, um, yeah, that means that if you have a PS5 or an Xbox series, you should be able to play it through backwards compatibility. Right. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, this is this is really unique. So one of the hard parts about a review like this is a lot of what makes or breaks JRPGs for me is, I mean, a like the, the combat loop has to be good. The pacing of the game has to be good. Like it can't be super grindy or that really breaks games for me. I I am 31 years old. You've passed the big 4-0. We don't have time for, you know, to spend 80 hours in an RPG where 20 of those hours are grinding, right? Right. Um, but a big part of, I think, what makes a lot of RPGs special is the story and characters. And for obvious reasons, like, I don't want to talk much about the, the plot of this game in much detail because I think it deserves to be experienced mostly fresh and discovered so we can talk a little about setting and characters but uh i obviously don't want to talk too much about the story Uh, so other than maybe some of the inspirations it comes from so right right off the bat like there is uh, a very clear and direct homage to chrono trigger um yeah like right off the bat uh you know it's uh basically the game uh and this isn't a spoiler because it's literally the first thing you're gonna see um your character, Glenn, is in bed, and uh, your mom walks into your bedroom, which is on the top floor of the house, opens the window, it says, it's a beautiful day outside, it's time to get up, and, and it's literally the opening of Chrono Trigger. And I was like, yeah. oh, wow, here we go. Um, and uh, this game, you know, this game was described by Matthias as a 16-bit JRPG the way you remember them, not the way they were. That's a really good way to put it. It really, Um, really is. Because Um, if you grew up on stuff like the SNES era Final Fantasies, on Chrono Trigger, on the Mana series, things like that, 
Um, this looks very much like that, although a, a little more polished. There's some great sequences very early on, for example, where you're in the town and you're like high, high above the town and, and your character can like look over the edge and you have this great like scrolling parallax background. Oh yeah. It does such a great job out. of adding depth to the scene. Yeah. Like. Um, character movement is snappy and analog instead of being strictly locked to like the four directions, like grid based design of a lot of old JRPGs. Right. Uh, you move quick you interact with things quickly. Loading and moving between areas is quick and snappy. It's a very old school sort of battle system, menu driven, attack special abilities, so on and so forth. Um, I think the two big standouts in terms of the combat system that make it different from just being a Final Fantasy clone, uh, A, is you recover all of your HP and TP, which is kind of like you know your health and your mana, every fight. Uh, characters revive so from being yeah. uh, dead. Characters restore from their adverse conditions. Everyone goes back to peak condition after every fight, which is, I found from a quality of life perspective, to be a brilliant choice because it allowed every fight, even the small fights, to feel like they were balanced out for your team. Right. Um, but you have the ability in easy fights to just blow through them with special abilities and, and really save more of the tactics, but still be at your best for some of the bigger fights. Even the like super moves in the game, you have a, a gauge that fills up that lets you use like a, a special technique uh, with any one character. And that refills to max when you enter a boss fight. So even if you blew through it right before a boss fight, you yep. will get it back for the boss when you need it most, which really saves a lot of, I think, the stuff about old JRPGs that is difficult for me. The, the feeling of, like, item management of, I can't use my abilities because I'm going to need the MP later. I can't use the potions because I'm going to need them later. You know, there's none of that. Well, and one thing I really appreciate about the about the the combat system is one it's challenging like like this is a i mean make i will no say it doesn't start it. that way it actually eases you in i think very well it does the first um, several hours of the game are, are like it starts off kind of a cakewalk and the first couple bosses are really not that difficult if you have even a basic understanding of the mechanics but as the game begins to open up more and you get out of that linear first several hours and into where the game kind of gives you a little more freedom, then yeah, you start to see more of that difficulty layer in that demands you actually really learn these mechanics that the game has been giving you practice time with so far. Now, one thing I will say, uh, Derek, are, is there are a few bosses, and again, neither of us have finished it, particularly one boss in um, that you and I had discussed earlier. I won't name the boss because uh, it's a major story boss, but yeah, there are a few bosses when you reach around the middle area of the game where it gets a little frustrating. There were a couple bosses um, that I definitely felt like I was hitting a brick wall on and needed to grind a little bit. Now there's only those couple points where I ever felt like I had to grind, right? Like most of the game I did not, you know, run around looking for enemies to beat up with the purpose of increasing numbers that that really didn't happen much. Um, but yeah, then there were those couple of real big difficulty spike bosses where I was like, 
fuck, I, I was I was moving at smooth sailing up until this point, and now I've got to, you know, it wasn't enough to just reformulate my tactics. I really did need to grind a little bit. And then right. that kind of sucked. But that's, and, that's um, a thing we're used to as JRPG fans, unfortunately. Exactly. And, uh, you know, another thing I have to, you know, since we're talking about the battle or, about, you know, the, the battle system, um, the other thing I wanted to mention was just how incredibly, <clears throat> what's the right word I'm looking for? Uh, how incredibly um, tactical these battles can get with overdrive system. Yes, because um, we didn't talk about the overdrive system, which is the other, I would say, yeah, the other core difference between combat and like a Super Nintendo Final Fantasy and this right. one. Not just the recovering between battles, but the overdrive gauge. It is it is so the the overdrive game basically uh, in every battle, um, you start with there's a bar in the upper left hand corner and uh, a part of the bar at the beginning is um like an orange. It's kind of like a, green... a neutral status, like nothing right. has changed. And as you do <clears throat> attacks and special techniques and things like that, you move your your party's like tension goes further up the overdrive gauge, and then you hit the bulk of the bar, which is the green area. And that's when you're in overdrive. Yep. And, and, overdrive, and when you're in overdrive, right? You get status bonuses and you know increased damage, increased defense. But then, Derek, what you use less you TP. Red? But then, if you go too far and and pass the green area of the overdrive gauge, you go into the red area of the gauge at the very end, which uh, causes you to, I think, take like additional damage, and your attacks are weaker. It's it's actually a negative impacted state, and you need to use certain techniques. There's like different icons for each technique and for x number of turns like a certain category of technique will cause you to actually lose tension instead of gain it so you kind of occasionally have to basically use a technique you didn't fully plan on using just to keep your people from like overheating right right and you know it, it is such a <clears throat> and I'll, I'll tell you what, like the overdrive gauge can be a major stressor in battle in a good way. Um, yes, because it, it know, doesn't it, really come into play in a lot of basic, simple fights where you're just going to blow through the enemy team. Um, but in those but, boss fights, man. Yeah, boss fights or like bigger, tougher enemies. Yeah, you you the longer the fight goes on, the more important it is to manage the overdrive gauge well and this also means derek that you can't just like spam fight and and get your way and spam heal and get your way through a battle like you have got to be able to keep an eye on that overdrive bar and look for ways to to lower it if it gets into um overheated or if it gets too close like defending for example will bring your overdrive gauge down a little bit um yes you can get abilities passive abilities where switching your characters out in the middle of battle which is another thing you can do um, yeah, we'll, yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. Reduce you your can, overdrive. Like um, you have your four characters, but then you can have four extra characters attached. Very to Final Fantasy ten ish, kind of. But I was gonna say, unlike something like FF ten or like Persona, where you can switch people. Well, no, Persona. Persona lets you switch personas on the main character. It's not exactly the same thing. But like, unlike like Final Fantasy ten, the way it works is you pair characters up. So yeah, your slot right. one will be this character or this character on backup, and you can switch on that character and they will switch to uh, their backup. Uh, and if character A dies, then you can't switch him out to character B. 
But if character A yep. is like low on health, you can switch him switch out. Him or out. you can switch him out because you need the other character's abilities or because it will help you lower the overdrive gauge. So you end up getting kind of having to put some thought into team comp of who you're pairing up with who because those two characters can never be on the field at the same time. Yep. So you need to figure out like, yeah, it's, it's deeper than you'd think. And it's, this game does things like it layers in mechanics, like character swapping. Yeah. You know, early on, it's very simple. And as it layers in more of these mechanics, you start to realize like, Oh, this is, this is not going to be like a, a lot of indie, like love letters to JRPGs are very simple. And this is not nearly that simple. This is eventually going to demand that you learn, you know, a lot of mechanics and balance them. And can we can we talk for a moment, Derek, about just how unbelievably gorgeous this game is? Oh, yeah, because the game's great to um, play, but it's also gorgeous to look at. Great I, pixel just, sprite work. Great animation. Uh, excellent, like, character portraits are full of character. A lot of the small animations on the the main sprites have a lot of personality packed into them great environment design great enemy design um wonderful music oh the music is fantastic. Uh, and to think again this is like an undertale situation where it's 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 like one dude doing everything i uh, I, I, I don't think undertale think, was entirely toby fox but i, I mean, mean i think this regardless is a, more, a far more impressive endeavor that's the thing this is um, so much more impressive in so many ways it's not meta in the way that Undertale is. This is this right. is a love letter to the classic fantasy RPG. Um, right. But just the fact this is one dude did all of this. I mean, it, it blows my fucking mind. And, you know, there there are so many visual cues I've picked up on that harken back to other classic JRPGs. Like, I don't you, know. You if, can pick I, a lot of specific because I well, you you brought pulled up Chrono Trigger. What was another one right. that you mentioned? Uh, Final Fantasy Tactics for the character portraits. They're very yes. Final Fantasy Tactics esque. I uh, see. The thing is, I, I, I went for FF 12 because there's a lot of races that. in the games that are very Final Fantasy 12, like Ivalice inspired. Well, but, also that I mean, bizarre system they have for selling yeah, items, Derek, yeah. is very similar. I found a lot of plot elements, especially in the early lead up, to remind me a lot of nine and twelve specifically. Nine, I think, yeah. Final Fantasy Nine and Final Fantasy Nine more heavily, um, but um, I mean, yeah. And, uh, Chrono Trigger, obviously, not just in the opening, but in the way the characters move around the world. Um, especially Glenn, your main character with his red hair running around, is very reminiscent of Chrono. Yeah. Um. Uh. The name Glenn, of course, which is the the true name of Frog from Chrono Trigger. Um. There are. There's just all. Um. The classes. Uh. You can have. You can pick up class emblems that are like That's you know, what I think. warrior, you get class emblems, monk, and you summoner. Attach, you attach classes to characters like their accessories. It's really they have cool. like an equipment slot for the class, and you can change them basically at any time. But characters only level up in the class that they have equipped and you only get like if you get the cleric like class icon which i think that's if i remember right that's the first one you get right yes or it should be lord knows no what it, is. it is breaking. it is and, and, and the story like the story forces you to get it yeah so. but um like the cleric icon you get that you can put that on one character you might think oh can i turn everyone into clerics no uh, that's why they treat it like a piece of equipment in a lot of ways, but it gives you stat bonuses and new moves and, you know, you, you learn and level up in the class while you have that icon equipped. 
So it's an interesting take on the kind of flexible class system. It's more like you get a class and then you have to decide who's going to be that thing. So, although you do eventually, as you get further in the game, get to do a little bit of mixing and matching because you keep some of the abilities and bonuses from classes as you level up enough. Well, and like there are so many moving parts to this game, Derek, from good Lord. Yes. The, the battle system with, you know, overdrives and, you know, the, um, you know, the classes and, you know, learning your different abilities. There's a there's yeah, something each of the characters, very re- even before you add classes to them, yep. they have a lot of very unique a plethora like, quirks of- to them. For example, my my favorite character, uh, Sienna, is sort of a samurai type character. Oh, I love and, Sienna. And even, it's, it's great because like as a personality, she's a dirtbag thief and you've got to yeah. love her. Um, but. In gameplay, she has, for example, moves that do low damage to all enemies or moves that will inflict bleed on an enemy, Um, but then those have the ability to trigger her Petal Storm ability, which she she doesn't always have access to. This very powerful attack that is only made available by chance after you use certain moves. Um, And then she also has, like, the Thief ability, so it's interesting that they combine... You know, a, a lot of she's really a lot of thief like characteristics in a samurai looking package. Also, I, I got to say, Derek, so far, my favorite character um, from a gameplay and just a visual standpoint is uh, Bethraz. Yes. Um, like, dude, a lizard man with mechanical arms and legs who summons like who summons weapons like daggers and spears and swords. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like I, I'm that I'm all over that. Bothraz is cool. Yeah, I, I like that the cast of the game is is very colorful. Um, you've got characters who you're going to love personality wise, characters you fucking hate personality wise. Rob. Rob. Rob is the hate sink, though. You're supposed to. You're not supposed to like Rob, I don't think. He reminds me of uh, Argath Thedalfus from Final Fantasy Tactics. I can see that. I can see that. Even looks like him. Um, I really liked Lena. I like Lena too. Um, you know who's also I mean, very it, fun because early on she's got all these different elemental attacks that you know help. I you like almost all the characters. Just, just like, yeah. the way they interact with each other. Um, this thing I don't like Rob individually, but he's a great foil for a lot of characters, and especially a great foil for Lena. So, um, um I gotta yeah. tell you, man, like this is my game of the year. Yeah, um, I uh, I got to say, we've been putting together our Game of the Year show, and it was kind of interesting to see. Early on, you were like, this is in the runnings. This is going to be in my top five, and I wasn't expecting it. And the further I got into this game, we hadn't talked about it in a little bit. I was like, I wonder if this is going to be John's top of the year, which is crazy in a year where Live Alive got an, an HD 2D remake. Yeah. Well, and, and you and were so, going on all year. Live yeah. Alive was it. Live Alive was your number one legendary JRPG. Defined much of the genre. Inspired games like Undertale. And then Chained Echoes comes along. A game that I frankly was not paying attention to until a couple weeks before release. If I, I may be honest. I, and, I, and I think I, I was one who was like, Derek, this needs to be on your radar. Yeah. And like, holy you, hell. Yes. Um, yes. So... So the reason I, I, I went with Chain Deckless for Game of the Year is, <clears throat> you know, 
Live Alive found its way into my top three games of all time. Um, Live Alive is absolutely, absolutely an, an all-time favorite for me. And if you were to measure the two against each other, I would, I mean, I would give Live Alive the edge. Um, that being said, Live Alive has had the weight of Square Enix behind it. This and Nintendo person. to a degree. And Nintendo. And Nintendo. Because Nintendo was actually the ones who were money hatting this game. This yeah. Game. This is one Chain, dude. Chained Echoes is one. This is guy. one dude. I've one never guy. ever seen a game project by a single person that was a fraction as ambitious as this. And that's and, not meant yeah. as an insult to other like solo dev like, wonders out there. This is just. I cannot you, fathom what it takes. I'm angry, John. I'm angry and I'm jealous. And I'm not a jealous person. I am jealous of how how somebody could be so talented in all of these different yeah. areas to yeah. be a one-person project behind a game like this. Well, and here's the other thing, Derek. Like, this is, if you think about it, this isn't just one person creating a great JRPG. In my opinion, this is the greatest... This is the greatest indie RPG ever made. This is definitely my favorite indie uh, RPG I've played in as long as I can remember. I'm not going to say what you said quite so definitively because I want I would want time to really think on that. But I mean, again, this, if I'm going to compare anything, like the only reason I would say this isn't my favorite indie RPG ever is because of Undertale being right. what undertale is you know as and oh. and undertale's at a whole different story right undertale is what it is because of how meta it is because of of the themes that it tries to go for and the earnestness with which it approaches them and right. chained echoes is a very different thing chained echoes is not trying to deconstruct the rpg right so, chained echoes is a reconstruction it is taking it as deadly serious as it can and believes that that is something to be treasured so I'll put it this way. Maybe, maybe, maybe this will be a little more palatable for you. Um, if this game, if Chain Decos had come out in 1995, we'd be talking about it today in the same vein as we do Final Fantasy VI, Chrono Trigger, and Earthbound. 100%. 100%. I agree with that wholeheartedly. That's, that's how good Even that's assuming good it would be like not look and sound well, exactly sure. right because right. it would be a Super Nintendo game. But like right. in terms of the plot, in terms of the characters, in terms of the design mechanics... Which there's nothing mechanically you in this game. I don't feel like you couldn't have done on the Super Nintendo nope, if you weren't ambitious all. enough. Well, um, I mean, I mean, again, like, like, dude, look at what Live Alive did in 1994. I yeah, mean, with its, exactly. with its game systems, and you're telling, and this absolutely could have existed in in 1995. And if it had, we would be talking about this as one of the all time greats. Yeah. Um, as it stands, I believe this is a modern classic. Agreed. Um, I will say that if you like classic jrpgs i think even if you have sometimes like i have fallen in and out of favor with indie rpg offerings yep this is something that is so uniquely full of soul i i am begging people if you love jrpgs and class and like retro styled games don't pass this up yeah like you're doing yourself a massive disservice it is, it is such a straightforward question do you like super nintendo are there are there at all super nintendo era jrpgs you hold close to your heart i'm not saying do you love all of them or or that as a category but is there one game 
in that category you hold close to your heart, then you owe it to yourself to check out Chained Echoes. I mean, it's you know, <clears throat> Derek, the way I'll, and I, I guess I'll, I, I will end my opinions on on for the purposes of this review on this. Chained Echoes for me is what video games are all about. One guy, one person was so passionate about creating something that that in in homage to to games that he loved that he worked for 7 years. This game was in development for 7 years and I can't even imagine how many times Matthias probably wanted to throw his hands up and say I can't do this anymore. This is this isn't worth it. But he but but he did it. He did it and the end result is something that is was obviously crafted with care and love and reverence for what came before it. And there's a sense of joy to this game um, in everything from its its music, its battle system, its the, the very colors of the game themselves. Everything about this game just exudes joy. This game is representative to me of 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 what the medium should be about, which is just a passion for creating something incredible. Yeah. Um... I will say, so Chain Echoes did not quite make it onto my top five of the year, uh, which, I mean, this has been a really good year for games. It's been a good year. So, I mean, Derek, this is, min- this is Midnight Sun's year, and I, knew, I already knew. Like, I was like, oh, this is gonna Yeah, be- yeah, I mean. This is it for Derek. <laughs> yeah, my, uh, my, my top is still going to get you by surprise <clears throat> when we do the, the Game of the Year show. But, um, yeah, I, it didn't quite make my top five. But here's the thing. I'm never going to forget this game. This is yep. this is something really unique and it's something I'm going to be recommending to people for a very long time. And I this think is that's the, yeah. something Go special ahead, because sometimes there's games that you recommend in the moment and then you don't think much about, you know, a year or two after they're out. I can tell you that's not going to be the case with Chain Echoes. It'll be 5 years, 10 years from now and I will still be pointing at Chained Echoes as something special that people need to experience if they love that style of game. You know, this is this is a game that will get replays for me over the years. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a good way to put it. I'm not and my bar is a little higher on what makes me replay an RPG, but like yeah, I'm I'm considering it with this. Also, can I just real quick, I know yeah. I said I I said to my but but um this game sings on the Switch. This game was made for Switch. Um, this is just one of those things, and I've been playing on the on the OLED. And whew, Derek, you want to talk about colors popping? I bet. And like, like just such a. Uh, honestly, the only real criticism I have of Chained Echoes is I wish there was a mini map. PC ports is uh is is pretty good. I mean, not that it would take much to run this game. It's not exactly super demanding, but. You know, that's for anybody who was worried about that. Yeah, like I haven't brought up any PC port issues because there aren't any. I think whatever system you get the game on, it's going to run great. So, but yeah. But yeah, no, Derek, I think game. it's safe to say that we love this game. Loved this fucking game. Uh, comes with our highest recommendations with the caveat that like, you know, classic SNES era JRPGs are your thing. Yeah, if that's not your thing, you're not going to find anything here. But like that's if you're anything like me, if you know me, and you know, my tastes, then this is the game for you. If uh, if 
Super Nintendo era JRPGs aren't your thing, then this isn't really going to do it for you. Right. Taste is subjective, but like objectively, this is a very good game of its type. So good. I, as soon as we're done One with the review, I'm going back to it. <laughs> John, you got anything else to bring to it? Nope. Other than if this game, if this game doesn't sell, then there's something wrong with the world because it does. It does. This game deserves. Well, there's a lot wrong with the world, everything. but I'm hoping that this game not receiving attention is not one of those things. I agree. So, folks, that's all we got. Remember, tune into the show live most Thursdays at 9 p.m. Eastern time. I'm Derek. I'm here with John. Just remember, kindness costs nothing. Everybody, have a good one.